Hey, this is Rich, and before you listen to this week's episode of My Take Radio, please note that My Take Radio was the victim of a severe equipment malfunction on behalf of Blog Talk Radio, and as such, a large portion of this of last week's show was lost in the process. There is approximately 67 minutes or so of audio for this week's show, with the, the rest of it missing or soon to be recovered. Nonetheless, I didn't want to leave you guys hanging and decided to upload Even if it is these 67 minutes for you guys to listen to, I apologize for any inconvenience for those of you that missed the interview, but if I am able to recover it, I will make a post and notify you guys. If not, enjoy the 67 minutes. Thanks. Are you ready? This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. It's that time again, folks. My Take Radio, episode 34, for Thursday, March 11th, 2010. The music you just heard was The Omen of Geneva, courtesy of OC Remix. The artist was Neko Frog 1, N-E-K-O, Frog, the number one. You can download that and any of the other intro music that we've used in previous broadcasts at ocremix.org. The call-in number, as always, is 347-324-3541. And with that, let's get into this week's show. I will be joined tonight by Hayden Dalton and Han Randauer from the Darksiders team. Uh, we will be talking about pretty much everything about Darksiders, from the great sales that they had, from helping THQ um, break their fiscal records, amongst other things, and just a couple of questions about the game. We'll be taking your calls, of course. Uh, we're going to go a little bit into some MMA news. We're going to break down WEC number 47, which happened last week. Uh, some UFC news, the quote-unquote Monday Night War, which wasn't much of a war. Uh, We'll talk about some movie news, of course. Uh, GDC is going on. There's a lot of that, a lot of news coming out of there. And, of course, your movie news. First off, um, we, um, shit, a couple of things. There's a couple of new posts on the site you can check out. Um, You have to bear with me. I am testing out... um, new equipment this week. I actually have a brand new microphone and some very unique headphones which are supposed to be noise isolating so it feels like I am talking to you inside a tube. So until I get the hang of it, I'm going to be a little uh, a little bit leery just because it's a brand new mic. Hopefully those of you that are listening enjoy the quality of the broadcast this week with the new equipment as it's in test phase and if it sucks, it's going right back to the store. Nonetheless, I believe Hayden should be calling in around 11.15 with Han. And until then, I'm going to get into some MMA news. Uh, first off, uh, we'll talk about some recent signings. Claude Patrick, uh, he was on the fight show earlier this week with Mauro Ronaldo, and he claimed that he has signed with the UFC. He um, has been just on a rampage. He's won nine of his fights in the first round with eight of those fights coming by submission. He has an 11-1 record. There's a rumor that he will be debuting on the UFC 115 card, which is going to take place in Vancouver on June 12th. Also, the UFC confirmed that Kimbo Slice will be fighting Matt Mitrione at UFC 113 in Montreal. Originally, a lot of people thought that the fight wasn't going to happen because there were rumors that Kimbo Slice was going to fight uh, boxer-turned-MMA fighter James Toney. Um, Right now, it seems that James Tony, since signing with the UFC, has been putting out a lot of open challenges in terms of who he'd want to fight. He said he'd fight Kimbo Slice. He has said in interviews that he would knock out Randy Couture if Randy Couture chose to fight him. Um, I actually would like to see James Tony fight someone like Kimbo Slice just because they both have a really good stand-up. They have KO power. Tony, of course, being a legend is uh you know he's a he's a boxing he's a boxing heavyweight and he's a guy that really can knock you out on the stand up so 
I was really hoping for a fight between them two, but I'll take Kimbo versus Mitrione anyway. Nonetheless, the UFC 113 card is shaping up as follows. Uh, Lyoto Machida is going to be fighting uh, Shogun for the light heavyweight title. Paul Semtex Daly is going to be fighting Josh Koscheck. Kimbo Slice is going to fight Matt Mitrione. Jeremy Stevens will fight Sam Stout and Alan Bell. All right, let's thank good old Blog Talk Radio for already fucking me uh, five minutes into this week's broadcast. I apologize for that, folks. Um, casualties of the game, I guess. But nonetheless, uh, as I was saying, I cut. I had actually cut off, I believe, when I was discussing UFC 113. The uh, the card, as if I'm repeating myself, I apologize. Is uh, Machida and Shogun for the light heavyweight belt. Paul Daly versus Josh Koscheck, Kimbo Slice versus Matt Mitrione, Jeremy Stevens is going to be fighting Sam Stout, Alan Belcher will be fighting Patrick Cote, of course, Montreal's own Patrick Cote. On the preliminary card, you have Tim Credor fighting Tom Lawler, Marcus Davis will be fighting Jonathan Goulet, Mike Guyman is going to be fighting Yoshi, Yoshiyuki Yoshida, I always have trouble with that guy's name, and TJ Grant is going to be fighting Johnny Hendricks. Of course... March is going to be a great month overall just because you have the UFC on Versus, which is pretty much free TV, uh, you know, to the equivalent of Spike. Uh, you also have the UFC primetime special focusing on GSP and Dan Hardy, which has already gone into effect with the first episode last night, which generated record views. I'll cover that later in the segment. Also, of course, you've got UFC 111, which, of course, I'm bummed out that I cannot attend but I'm working on something which hopefully will allow me to uh, at least go either to the weigh-ins or to the Radio City Music Hall where they will be showing the event live. Um, I will be covering some stuff regarding that in the later, either later tonight or in the, in the next broadcast just because there's a lot of stuff that I have to go through to get there. But nonetheless, in other MMA news, of course, the main event for the versus fight is supposed to be John Bones Jones. He's going to be fighting Brandon Vera on March 21st when the UFC debuts on Versus. And both of those guys are looking to move up to heavyweight after this fight. They feel that the heavyweight division is, is very active and a place where they feel they can be successful. Personally, I think both guys should stay in the light heavyweight division just given the fact that while there is a wealth of talent there, their, their fighting styles, they complement the division well versus them moving up to heavyweight and looking smaller compared to some of the other heavyweights. But nonetheless, we'll see what happens. For those of you that have aspirations of going into mixed martial arts, Spike TV announced that they will be holding an open tryout for the Ultimate Fighter on April 1st. They're, they will be casting for the 12th season. The tryouts will be for lightweights and light heavyweights. Um, of course, if you are trying out, you have to have proof of at least three professional fights, be at least 21 years of age, and you have to be there by 8 a.m. to register. Fighters got to be there by 9 with fight gear, and the tryouts are going to start at 10 a.m. You got to make sure if you are trying out that you are at fighting weight for either light heavyweights or heavyweights. Um, also, a couple of other things. Of course, today marks the passing of Charles Lewis, um, also known as Mask. He was one of the founders of Tap Out. If you've been on Twitter or any of the MMA sites, you'll see a lot of, um, a lot of dedications and a lot of tributes to Mask. Uh, Mask, regardless of the circumstances of how he died, provided um, a great outlet for MMA fighters. He helped move a lot of fighters into the mainstream. He helped Tap Out become a globally established brand. Um, you look in any store now, you see Tap Out gear. And, of course, you know, I feel that he contributed greatly to the sport, and he was taken away rather quickly um, and very unfortunately. But nonetheless, you know, today marks a year of his passing, and you can go to any of the sites. I may actually post an article as well to see some of his contributions to the sport. Nonetheless, of course, he's missed, but his legacy lives on in Tap Out the Brand as well as the clothing company. Moving on, Rachel Leah will be making her return to the Octagon as an Octagon girl for UFC 111 in Jersey. Um, of course, Ray, Rachel, Rachel actually, uh, or Rachel, either way, I, I always mess up her name, has moved on to other things. She hasn't been an Octagon girl for a while. She's actually done a lot of hosting for some of the other UFC programs as of late, but she will be making her return to cage side for the 111 pay-per-view. 
And of course, as I said earlier, the UFC primetime special debuted uh, last night, and it just had a fantastic, fantastic turnout. It drew a million viewers for the 10 p.m. time slot, and it outbeat the St. Pierre and BJ Penn. Um, well, it outscored the St. Pierre BJ Penn primetime, which had 880,000 viewers. It looks like GSP definitely gets people's attention, and his fight with Hardy should be um, exciting for sure. Um, the primetime special is going to be broken up into three parts. It's going to be every Wednesday uh, leading up to the fight. Of course, the next one will be next Wednesday, and the one will be, I believe, March 24th. And that's going to wrap up the MMA news. Um, we are going to take a commercial break, go into some wrestling, and Hayden probably in handle. Well, they'll be calling hopefully either during the wrestling segment or right after. Stay tuned. You know those shows where they play video game music and they laugh in like really high voices like... <laughs> well, you won't listen to that on our show because uh, we don't have the budget for that kind of thing. We're broke as hell. And uh, nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard. So um, if you're looking for a show like that that has horrible audio quality and uh, void of fake laughter video game news radio 11 p.m. Tuesday nights on all games all right and we're back um, let's get into some wrestling news of course before I get into the small bit of wrestling news I want to discuss of course the quote-unquote Monday night wars that occurred first off of course it was TNA debuting Monday night on Spike to compete head-to-head -head against Raw. And I must say off the bat that Raw started off well, and, um, you know, they did a really great job, but all they were doing was basically leading into WrestleMania, which I have no problem with. Um, you know, they, they started the broadcast off with The Undertaker, which is fine, you know, just to generate buzz for his match with Shawn Michaels. Um, but overall, it was very formulaic. It was very cut and dry, the typical Raw leading up to WrestleMania, and I felt they did good. I, I really did. But TNA, here's the thing with TNA before I even get into the overall goings-on of the broadcast. TNA is all about doing something big once and then, then kind of reverting back to old hat, so to speak. And, of course, they started off the broadcast with a bang, with Hogan and Abyss fighting AJ Styles and Ric Flair. And, of course, that led right there to the return of Sting. Now, of course, the return of Sting is great and all, but another old guy. On top of the fact, they, try, they tried to do something different by turning Sting heel. In doing so, of course, it was one of those things where it was, you know, it was weird. It was like, Sting is a bad guy now? I guess they were trying to go for the same effect like when Hogan turned heel in WCW, but eh, it didn't go as well as I thought. Um, they did a lot of stuff with the X Division, which was good. I was very excited for that because that's the future of the organization. That's what carries the organization. And, of course, that match led to another debut, and that is, of course, of Shannon Moore, um, who, of course, is a friend of Matt and Jeff Hardy's, also um, a great X Division competitor, um, a very unique look now. He has, like, the big spiky, um, really crazy grunge hairdo, and he's all tattooed up and shit. Um, definitely a great addition to the X Division. I have no problems with that. Um, the TNA Knockouts tag team titles were defended. Um, it turned out that they had to strip Awesome Kong and Hamada, of course, storyline-wise, because they hadn't defended the belts in 30 days. That was their excuse but it was also because of the issue going on with Awesome Kong and TNA management regarding her beating up Bubba the Love Sponge. So, of course, that match led to the beautiful people finally getting the TNA knockout tag team titles, which, of course, was pretty obvious that that was the route they were going to go. Moving on, of course, they um, did a little bit more with Sting, and they put him in a match against a mystery opponent. That mystery opponent turned out to be the one and only Rob Van Dam who officially made his debut on the TNA roster and was promptly beat up by Sting just because, you know, they're really trying to reinforce the fact that Sting is a heel and the only way that you're really going to get that over is by beating up 
the, you know, one of the most popular guys in wrestling today, which is Rob Van Dam. So a lot of guys were complaining about that, and they were, you know, bitching about the fact that, oh, you know, you bring Rob Van Dam in, and you have him getting beat up 15 minutes into the broadcast, and, you know, 15 minutes into his appearance. This was actually a complaint also from Chris Jericho. He put, posted that up on Twitter, like, way to go, TNA, having Rob Van Dam getting beat up at the start, you know, during his first appearance on, on Impact. And while and initially I did agree to that in a, in a way, I, after looking at it, I realized you have to look at the long-term picture, which is something that TNA actually did in this case. And that's the fact that you come in, you have Rob Van Dam get the quickie victory over Sting. There, that you know establishes Van Dam as a unique guy that nobody can really defend against because he's so new. Number two, Sting beating up Van Dam establishes Sting being a badass and a bad guy. And three, you set up matches right there between Sting and Rob Van Dam, or it makes people want to tune in next week to see what Rob Van Dam is going to do in regards to him being attacked. So TNA overall had a very solid showing. They, overall, the program was really good. I felt in my heart of hearts that they did better than Raw did, but the numbers said otherwise. Raw ended up having a 3.4 rating, uh, which is, you know, the show drew 5 million viewers. Impact had a .98, almost to a 1.0, which means they had 1,361,000 viewers. So while it was definitely a, a solid number, it wasn't as good as their previous attempts. Um, when they were on Mondays against, he, um, against Raw in January, when they went against Raw on a Monday, they did really well. They had a really good review. Afterwards, though, it seems that, um, you know, I guess people, people weren't sold on the fact that Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan were wrestling, and that's kind of what they built their debut, you know, the TNA debut around. No one really gives a shit about Hogan and Flair. I mean, don't get me wrong. These are guys I watched wrestling when I was a kid. And, and it's great and all, and it's really cool. But honestly, you're going to move to Monday nights and base your advertising around two guys whose combined age is like 150. Is, is that really the direction you want to go in when you have X-Division wrestlers, unique finishers, um, ultimate X-matches, great tag team wrestling, great women's wrestling? You, you'd think that they would really put more effort into promoting it around that instead of around the two oldest established veterans. Well, we'll see what they're going to do going forward. Moving on, Linda McMahon took the opportunity on her campaign Twitter feed to say that Stephanie McMahon is pregnant with her third child with Triple H. Um, they already have two daughters. I'm, I'm more than sure that Triple H is hoping for a son because, you know, he wants somebody to carry on his, his legacy on WWE programming. So... That's just my personal opinion on the matter. But nonetheless, congratulations to them for their third child. Um, WWE took the opportunity to announce their next crop of guest hosts for Raw. Of course, March 15th, Stone Cold Steve Austin will be hosting Raw. March 22nd, it'll be Pete Rose. March 29th, it's the cast of the Hot Tub Time Machine. April 12th is going to be David Hasselhoff, which I have no idea how that's going to go. And I believe they're going to be coming from England on that for that broadcast. Uh, April 19th is going to be Will Forte, Kristen Wiig, and Ryan Phillippe. I believe they're going to be there to promote MacGruber, which stars Chris Jericho, The Big Show, The Great Kali, MVP, and Mark Henry. So, you know, I'm promoting that Saturday Night, not, Saturday Night Live shit fest. We'll get to see those three hosting Raw. And uh, that's pretty much it for the wrestling news. Let's go into some video game news right after this commercial break. BornStuffingRadio.com. That's where you'll find our radio show. Rich, you dig it, don't you? Yeah, man. He digs it. How come you don't dig it? Fuck you. Get on the internet. BornStuffingRadio.com. Rat bastards. All right, and we're back. Looks like Hayden is on the line, and let's bring him in. Hello. Hayden, you're on the air. Yeah, what's up, Rich? How you doing? What's going on? Welcome back. Yes, no worries. I'm glad to be back. It's good. It's good. I've just been uh, chatting with a few of your buddies on the old chat messenger thing there, and uh, 
Yeah, it looks like they're all ready for a bit of a chat. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We were um, a lot of us and a lot of the guys in the chat, as well as myself, played Darksiders. Um, you know, right after its release. And first off, I gotta say, you guys did a fantastic job from start to finish. The game was solid. It combined great storytelling, great action sequences, just memorable characters. And you know, I want to congratulate you. You guys cleared over a million sales. You guys outsold Bayonetta probably at the time when I had read it by at least an extra 300,000 copies. So, you know, yeah. definitely congrats to you, man. You guys did great work. THQ posted great fiscal numbers because of Darksiders and UFC Undisputed. You guys contributed to their overall growth. Just just fantastic work from you and the guys at Vigil, man. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's been, it's been great. Obviously, they had a great success with the UFC title, and that got great reviews. It sold really well, and then obviously us releasing as well. It obviously certainly helped their, their fiscal numbers, and... Yeah, we all played a part, and uh, we're really happy with how Darksiders was received more by the, you know, the public, really. I mean, the press give you obviously good reviews, but the the people who we talked to on the the message boards and stuff like that, and just general people who went out, and, you know, paid, you know, their own money for the game, really kind of shone through and like really backed the product. So yeah, I'm really happy. I'm really happy with it. <clears throat> I mean. You know, the funny thing was, you know, watching on Twitter, and I, you know, I enjoyed one thing, and it, and it showed that the pride you took in the, in the game was the fact that you were tweeting all the positive reviews, but nonetheless, you were also, you, you'd put up, you know, the occasional negative one, and, you, you know, you'd state your displeasure, like, ah, oh, you know, bummer that they didn't like it. And, and I like that, because, you know, it was refreshing. It was refreshing wealth of honesty. You know, you guys were, were looking at the, great, at the good points and the bad points, and I'm more than sure you were reading the negative reviews to get, information as to, all right, well, did, is what they like not, you know, relevant, or is it relevant? How can we change it? I'm more than sure you were doing that. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, I mean that's how you develop, right? Develop, how you develop as a person in life and anything. Whenever you, you know, you, you fail at something, you learn why you failed, and then hopefully next time around you succeed. So we just looked at, I mean, some points were valid, some points weren't. It was a personal opinion, but there was some stuff that we read and we thought, yeah, we can see that, we can see how we can prove that, and we can tweak this and, and change that, and we'll make it a better game. You know, the next product we'll, we'll put in and think about these things as well. But, um, you know, at the time when I was tweeting about all that stuff, yeah, it was like any review that came along, good or bad, I thought, you know, I'm going to share this and, you know, just take it on the chin with some of them, because obviously there's, there's the odd one or two that were really bad that was really shocked at, but... Um, you know, it's the, it's their opinion, and I guess you know everyone's entitled to one. But uh, overall, um, I think I definitely tweeted a hell of a lot more good stuff than I did bad stuff. So that just shows you the overwhelming uh, positive uh, reaction we've had from the public and the press. So that's good. I mean, even even people's personal blogs, I was like tweeting about stuff like that. You know, when when I saw someone who was raving about the game, it, you know, it makes me feel good. The team, you know, the team like to read stuff like that, and it's it's they, they you know, I want to accomplish something. And they, you know, it's nice to know that people out there. You know, sat there playing it for like six, seven hours in a stretch, and playing it until like two, three o'clock in the morning. You know, it's, that's an awesome feeling to know people are doing that. So. Oh yeah, I was I was well. one of those. <laughs> I, yeah. I was I was one of those. As was Slick, um, another buddy of mine, Josh. It's it's funny because he um he really wanted to call in, but um he ha he has a newborn, so you know how that goes. But oh, nonetheless, yeah, he had a. Yeah, you know it better. You know just as well oh. as anybody. Yeah. And, um, he said to me, um, he was asking me, you know, what did you guys think of, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a stretch, but what do you guys think of the Wii, you know, in terms of um, potential for, not to say that you guys would even be able to put Darksiders on that type of a hardware, but just in general, we, I didn't get to touch on that last time you guys were here about the overall, you know, your overall thoughts on the Wii and if you guys see any type of an IP similar to Darksiders, you know, maybe a little bit lower grade, but still just as engaging, being a, being able to be accessed on the Wii. Um, I, I mean, I don't really see Vigil have any plans with with uh, doing anything on the Wii, but I mean, anything's anything's possible, right? I mean, it's, you want to have the same um, visual, you know, level of quality on on something like the Wii, but you can certainly put, you know. The amount of the, the the world size and things like that, as long as you strip it back and you know um, um, trim where you need to do, you can you can get worlds, pretty big worlds in the Wii and stuff like that. And it's it's half decent hardware, but uh, 
we've got we've got no plans to do anything on it. Um, but I I think it's a great piece of kit. You know, it's, and we've got one at home. All the kids love it. It's a you know it's a great social uh, platform. And obviously, you know, Nintendo's just they're just gods. They're just the best at you know pure fun and gameplay. So um, I think if um, you know if if I was a Wii developer, I'd certainly look at something like Dark Siders and see how it was kind of like uh, taken by the public and, you know, who knows, someone step forward and come and see THQ about doing a version of it. You know, it's certainly something that could be possible. We can do with our engine because our engine's tailored towards, you know, the high end, the, ne- the next gen stuff. But um, the Wii certainly a platform that, it, you know, a game like Dark Siders could be done on. Um, I was going to ask you if, if you've noticed then. And you probably might have seen it with Dante's Inferno. They, um, you know, they they released a supplementary, you know, animated film. Do you see something like that happening with Darksiders in the future? Because it would really be cool to add a little a little extra to the story, you know, with a with maybe some type of a you know of a pack in DVD or something of that of that nature. Have you guys given any consideration to that just to help you know stretch the story and flesh it out a little bit more? Not with Darksiders One. I mean, obviously we did the um, the kind of short run um, uh, storybook that was, you know, was coupled in some pre-order stuff. I mean, that that gave a little bit of backstory and a little bit of um, insight into the other horsemen. And you know, that's kind of about all we're doing for for Darksiders One. But it might be something that we might consider for the next title. You know, I'm sure there's going to be a lot more interest. I mean. It's obviously always going better better to go into a fight when people know what they're dealing with. Right? People just didn't know what they were dealing with with Darksiders One. We were, you know, no one knew the team, no one knew the franchise. Now, now we're going to do a second a second game, so you can kind of call it a franchise now. And it, it was, you know, uh, everyone, you know, a lot of people liked it. So I think going into the next one, there's going to be people stepping forward a little bit more now. People wanting to produce things like, you know, the the anime packs or even the models, you know, like doing some uh, real decent uh, maquettes of, like, Warren, um, you know, whoever the next character is going to be, the next horseman um, in, the, in the next product. So, yeah, who knows? I mean, it's, it's just that no, no one's going to really commit to anything right with the first product because they just don't know how it's going to sell. They really need to see how it sells first and see how popular it is. You know what I mean? Because oh, absolutely. They'll, uh, they'll shell out lots of money and do lots of production on like a new set of models, and it doesn't really go anywhere. And they're like, oh god damn, we didn't know this game wasn't, you know, it was going to can like this. So, uh, you know, and obviously we, when we was coming through, it's still a time where you know a pretty bad financial time set pretty much everywhere. So, a lot of these model places just didn't want to commit to anything. So we we did actually speak to a few people, but it was like, yeah, it's, it's unproven. So they kind of like just held off a little bit. But I'm pretty sure next time around. We saw a lot of interest from a lot of the toy companies later on, so I'm pretty sure next time around there'll be there'll be a, a, a shift of um, that sort of merchandise on the next product. I'm sure of it. Oh yeah, well I got you know I I had um you know when you had been on the last time I said hey it'd be cool to get like a small statue of war or something. I did. I went through the trouble of buying it in Best Buy so that I can get the small uh, <laughs> the small figurine as did yeah. as did Flick. You know, you know I I, I have it. It's on my desk. You know it's. It's one of those things that his character is very engaging. You know, the the work Liam O'Brien put in for, for, for voice work was fantastic. I actually yeah. wanted to talk to you about Volgram a little bit because the guy who did his voice acting played him like such a creep. He played him yeah. like such a creep. It was it was it, it, it would bug me out every time I'd be in there, you know, buying upgrades and he'd be like, Yes I'm like, Oh god, you know, like this guy's a creep. Well, the, the guy who did that voice is called Phil Lamar, and he's he's such a fucking talented guy. I mean, he, he he's worked on so many different games, and you know he's been on Mad TV, and he, he's a voice of Samurai Jack. I mean, I'm I'm just a massive fan. He did some work on a uh, another game that I worked on before, and obviously he played Vamp in, in Metal Gear Solid, and he's played like lots of different like game parts. But his his range of like vocal talent is just it's just astonishing. So when we were looking at different characters, we had Phil Lamar like Matt Downfall. I think he was a possible for the Watcher in case, like, Mark Hamill decided to, you know, send on. We had him down for Volgrim. And there might have been one of the characters we had him down for uh, as well because he's got such such good range. He could do at least two characters. But in the end, we only had him for, for Volgrim. And um, I was really happy with what he did. And, you know, I sent a Twitter to him and said thanks a lot. And he said, well, you know, if you do something else, I'll come back again. So I definitely see the doors open for bringing him back again to, you know, possibly do something in the next title. Oh, he was fantastic. Yeah. 
When we got the sound files from uh, the first edits from Volgrim, there's a few outtakes in there, and some of the different voices that they were doing were just ridiculous. They were, they were awesome. We were doing like five, six takes of everything, and we had funny takes and serious takes and everything. We had so, so much stuff to choose from with with Phil, it, it, it was great. I'd, I'd definitely suggest any anyone else like who's doing games who wants really good voice acting is to go to that guy. And obviously Liam and Mark and you know Hamill did some, you know, awesome work as well. But uh, I, Phil's definitely someone I'd always want to do voice work or anything that I work on in the future. Well, you know what's funny, Mark Hamill. I liked his 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 turn as the Watcher because he he sounded it, it was good because the Watcher's voice reminded me of every other smarmy uh, secondary character. Like, it was a cross between Cobra Commander from G.I. Joe and Starscream from Transformers. And he sounded pretty much like a combination of those two guys. You know, the sniveling, you know, the yeah. sniveling, uh, really scummy second guy. And I was like, wow, man, Mark, Ham- Mark Hamill's just fantastic. But, but with that, you know, I, he's, a, he's a guy that, you know, he did, he did the Joker, for God's sakes, you know, for Arkham yeah. Asylum, for anime... So, you know, he added that touch of, of, of greatness to the Watcher's character that made him stick out. Yeah, I mean, I didn't get a chance to go to the recording. I mean, I saw some footage from the recording, and Joe and our head sound guy, Jeremy Robbins, both went there to do the recordings and watched him and spoke to him, and he just he just killed it. I mean, he was awesome, and he was there. He was, like, he was doing the lines, and he was, like, grabbing his own throat to kind of uh, compress his windpipe to get his uh, voice all kind of, like, screechy and stuff like that. The guy's just a full-on professional. It was awesome. Supposedly he came in and he like he pretty much did the lines right off the bat. There was no problems and he had a bit of a laugh with them. But he, he yeah, he, he was absolutely awesome and he did he did a great job. I and mean, obviously he's such a well-known name as well. He certainly got us a lot of visibility as well. The fact that he was involved with the game. But um, he again he was always one that uh, I had on my list because I you know we worked with him as well on Wolverine. He he did the voice of Wolverine right on the you know Wolverine's Revenge. And I when I first got the the video uh, audio reels back from that take, I was really surprised because when someone suggested, why don't you use Mike Hamill? I'm like, I don't know, I'm Luke Skywalker, I don't know. This is like obviously a few years ago. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, I'm not really sure. It doesn't really sound like I can't really picture him as being Wolverine. And he sent some texts, some test takes. I'm like, that's it, he's awesome. Let's get him on. He's, he's nailed it. So, uh, yeah, that's so good working experiences again with him. He did a, he did a great job. Well, now, now I got um I got Han on the line. I'm gonna bring him in, and I also have a caller that has a question. But I'll bring Han in first. Sweet. Hello. Uh, Han, what's, what's going on? on, my friend? Hey, how's it going? Good, good to be Welcome on the show back. again. Okay, excellent. Back. Sorry, I had a few technical difficulties getting on, but uh, got there in the end. Bella, there you go. <laughs> All right, hey, how's it going? All right, man. good, good. Cool, cool. <laughs> um, I was. I was um, talking to Hayden about some of the voice work. We were talking about Mark Hamill. Yeah, I was and just the looking great in. Work that he did. Yeah, no, I'm mean, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, I think people are starting to get familiar with the fact that he was the voice of Joker, and obviously he's done a ton of other stuff as well. And uh, you know, voice acting is one of those things where you know you don't have the visuals, and really, it's all about your presence, and you know. Uh, all the pauses and all the kind of inclinations you do before you actually, you know, do all the character and everything. If you can sell that through your voice, that's obviously something. Not not everybody can do it. And sometimes they just get big names on these Disney shows. And to be honest, I've seen some of these shows and I'm like, I don't know. I didn't really, uh, I was, uh, you know, I don't really recognize any special voice or anything. And then, then you hear later it was like Mel Gibson or something. I was like, really? Mel Gibson? Like, uh, I think he was a voice on Pocahontas or something. And uh, I like I, I would not have even realized that at all. But Mark Hamill, like you might you might actually hear him and think, I don't know who that is, but that's that's a wicked sounding voice, you know. And it's obviously had a lot of presence. And then there was like the Volgrim as well. I think that was a really good one as well. I can't. Oh yeah, we were talking much. about Volgrim and how much of a creep he was. <laughs> Volgrim was awesome. He was like yeah, a, yeah, his, his voice. Yeah, Phil Lamar, he's a genius with the voice. And. um before we go into it anymore, I got a I got a guy holding. He has a question for you. We're gonna bring him in. Absolutely. Hello. Hi, you know you're on the air. Hey, how you doing, Hayden? What's up, Hyena? How you doing, dude? I'm good. I'm good. First off, I just want to say congratulations on uh, Darksiders and the use the newest franchise. Yes. 
<laughs> Hopefully the first of many. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, uh, you know, I, I've been really curious, and, like, you know, it, it's been confirmed that, you know, you guys, or there's going to be a sequel for Darksiders. Is there any information that you can uh, dive into <laughs> a little bit, you know, a little nudge here? Uh, no, we can't. It's way too early. Right, just, yeah, right. I mean, we're, we're, so, we're so early in, uh, I, we knew this would probably happen tonight, but, yeah, we're, we're so early in, you know, uh, and the development process on on the second one that um, yeah it's probably going to be a while before anything's actually officially announced but believe me I think people are going to be surprised and some of the things that we want to do on on the next one I think it's going to surprise a few people I think um, all, well, all we're good definitely... surprises not bad ones <laughs> well, well one thing we're definitely doing is um, uh, we're we're definitely going to try and uh, amp up anything that we did on the previous obviously that's through graphics sound. Um, we're really going to go to town on like the environments, and it's not going to be your regular environments as well. So, you know, without saying too much, you know, it's definitely get, we've we've we learned a hell of a lot on the first project, uh, definitely from the graphics point of view. And uh, you know, the team is way maturer now, and you know, we're kind of hitting the ground running. And so, there's definitely some special stuff in store for the fans out there. Well, already, I mean, we um, you know, one development that we can say is that just our text got better. Since the, since the last one, I mean, we've we've got some stuff up uh, up and running on screen that was so much better than it was on Darksiders. That I'm I'm so excited that thinking of things that we're going to be able to do and implement with the with the new tech that we've been the guys are working on at work. This uh, things are going to look so much nicer than they did on the first one. I and mean, we thought the first one looked good. It was stylized. It was awesome. But we think we can push it out much much further than we did in the last one with the things that we've seen already from the the, the pre-production stuff we've been working on. So sorry, Hyena, that's uh, yeah, I know it's not much not much to glean from that, but um believe me we've listened to you know a lot of the comments that were out there. We we saw the things that we wanted to fix on, on the first one and we t- we're targeting all these things and hopefully we'll we'll come out stronger and, and harder with the with with the second one. That's great. Yeah, there's anything else, Hyena? <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of stuff I I wish we could say right now, but you know, I'm kinda really and, you know, all will be revealed much later on, you know, and it's kind of exciting. Go on, do it, Han. I'll kill you in your sleep. No, no, no. I know they're going <laughs> to send, the, send the stormtroopers out. We've got to be careful. So. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I like this surprise. Yeah, we're not going to put you in that type of a spot. But, you know, it's like anything else, especially when, when, when the game is, is so good, you know, and everybody enjoyed it and the characters were unique. You know, you've got to ask yourself, especially, you know, I don't want to spoil the ending for anybody, but, you know, the fact is, the ending alone was fucking yeah. awesome. I'm not even. I'm not even gonna go. You know, too into detail. It was just fantastic. And then it, it was good because one of the things that I complained about, and Hyena can can vouch for this from previous broadcasts, is the necessity for end comic books with with a climax. You know, with a big with a big get. And yeah. and you guys succeeded with that. You know, you guys did a, a fantastic job with the big get. It, it ended, and I'm just like. What the fuck, man? You know, because you know, I wanted to play more. I'm like, I can't believe I just, you know, I played whatever. I think it was 13 hours or so that I clocked in, and I'm like, no. <laughs> so well, you know, I, fast, I <laughs> yeah, I think I think so. The Raptor thing uh, kept track of my time. I think it was about 13 hours or so. That's pretty good. That's, That's pretty good going. Yeah, yeah, Joe did a great job with that that bit of script near the end. I remember he was rewriting it uh, quite late on and. We read the script, and then when we read that, those last few lines, we were like, oh, God, this is going to be awesome. So we could pick uh, I remember even, that, when yeah. it, even when it was just down on paper, we was reading the script, and you know, every time Joe did an edit, we'd, we'd pretty much read through the entire thing again, and just when we saw that ending, we were like, yeah, we can't wait to see how this is going to turn out. It just, we, people just like took time to uh, put you know, tools down and take their script home and actually read it at home in their own time because they were that excited by the turn of events and how it was planning out, so... Yeah, we're really happy with that ending. And it's yeah, I, 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 about it, yeah. Yeah, I, I actually remember that actual particular bit because we actually storyboarded it, and. Uh, I remember Joe showing us the actual storyboard for it, and I, again, I don't, I don't, if people if people haven't, you know, played the game to the end, and looking at it, I was like, wait, so that's what happened. I was like, wow, that's, you know, I was kind of really buzzing off it because I, I could actually I actually remember the panel that he had just storyboarded. And it was, uh, it was pretty awesome, the way it tied together. Well, it does help seeing that you got someone from the comic book 
background right to kind of write and do the panel. So yes. That kind of worked out. Oh, it was beautiful, man. It was it was beautiful. Like I said, the frustration and the rage that bubbled inside of me. It was, was a good rage, you know, not the typical rage on every other broadcast. And I was just yeah. like, man, these fucking guys. Wait till I get them back. I'm gonna tell them that they got me. They got me good. And you know, everybody else who's played, they message me and they go, dude, man, the fucking ending. And I'm like, I know, I know, I know. No. You gotta wait now. Yeah, uh-huh. surprising how many actual reviews actually picked out the ending. I mean, they talk about the game and then they said. And just wait for the end. There's so many people who actually tag that in the reviews, and yeah, no, that's kind of cool. Like a major point from it, and it's good that they actually put that in there because it just, you know, it made it, it kind of proved that they played all the way through the game. Because you read some reviews and you think, did these guys really play all the way through the game? Because it kind of said like, there's, there's no like, um, hmm. it says silly things like, yeah, there was no variety in the backgrounds. I'm like, what, what, what game were you playing? I mean, we don't even know what you're talking about here. And then you see some of that gives you a really detailed review and talks about the ending and stuff like that. They, these guys really played it all the way through. They get it. So, yeah. Ending, thumbs up. Anything else, Hyena? Anything else you got for these guys, man? Because I know, man. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, uh, basically, you know, I mean, uh, again, I don't really want to reveal too much about the action. Even this game is really weird because, you know, although we could talk more freely about the one that's actually out there, there's still people who haven't played it. So I kind of don't want to ruin that. And there's nothing like, you know, Having like a spoiler alert, you know, for uh, for oh yeah, part, a spoiler part alert in the broadcast would be hard. I think I think they'd actually probably <laughs> send me hate mail. But um, with that, <laughs> we wouldn't um, want that. No, no, no. But yeah, no, no. Like, all right, hi. That, I mean, that, I'm, that's pretty much. It. I mean, have you guys been uh, following uh, GBC lately? Or? Yeah, we actually got a couple of guys out there right now, um, and they're kind of going off and doing a bunch of stuff there. I think even uh, Dave and Joe out there as well, and obviously. Uh, you know, we couldn't have, we can't have all the leads go out there, and uh, someone's got to hold down the fort. And uh, we obviously have our, we've kind of set up our deadlines already. You know, as we're kind of so going about. So, work in this bitch. so yeah, <laughs> we've got to, we've got to keep going. But have you? I don't know. Have you probably following it? Is there anything interesting that you want to share? Um, you kind of kind of like pivots here and there, like nothing. The only thing that honestly that caught my eye was Clash of Heroes. That was right. pretty much it, but. I guess it's uh, still too early, ain't it? It is actually. I mean, uh, there's obviously people still still like another couple of days left, and um, I w- went on a couple of friends' Facebook. Um, actually, uh, I was actually on. Um, uh, actually, Hayden, you probably know him, Alistair. He's uh, he's he's actually oh, the, yeah. the one of the art directors at Bioware, the guys who worked on Mass Effect, and he was sort of saying on his uh, Facebook Twitter saying they were looking forward to going to GDC. So um, obviously, Mass Effect Two out there. As well, I mean, so. we we don't. I mean, we, I see all the stuff on the sites and stuff, but right now we we saw like heads down to the grindstone, just kind of getting through the pre-production and everything to get ready for, you know, when we're going to full production and stuff. So we don't really have that much time to look up. I mean, the people who go to GDC from Vigil, there's been about a handful, like five, six guys. Dev and Joe Wen, they've done a few. They did a talk and they also did um, a couple of interviews. John, uh, uh, like, who was the lead environment artist on Dark Side, he's out there. So he. They'll be going to different talks, bringing back papers, talking about how everything went. So we'll, we'll get probably a, like a more full-on, like hands-on feel from them guys when they get back. And I mean, I see all the posts and everything up on the game industry dot bears and gamer suitors and stuff. Like that. I just don't have time to read any of that stuff right now. So just well, they're actually mine right now. They're actually doing a recruiting thing as well over there. So that's the other thing because um, we're still looking to like slowly but very carefully add to the team as well. Uh, so the you know on on various uh, disciplines. So you know we we we've been very very careful because um, I've been at places where basically it's been a case of they just grab as many people as possible and make sure there's like you know um, just throw some warm bodies at it and make sure there's like a, a team which says okay you've got your 50 people off you go you know and um, one of the hard things about developing Darksiders was actually getting the right people and in the right places. And, uh, you know, sometimes what happens is while you're waiting for that person, you get resumes and you're waiting for that right person. It just means everybody else has to just take up the slack and work that much harder and, you know, do stuff which is kind of out of their comfort zone. And because you want the people coming on board, you know, to be taking up that slack and you kind of feel a sense of uh, relief. So, but, you know, you've got to wait for that person to come along, and uh, which means that, you know, it's, it's a tough time until they come along. So... Um, again, we're, we're going to be um, looking out uh, and waiting for like, the right people to come along again. So I think that's the correct way to actually build a team. Yeah, I think we're going to need a bigger ball. 
<laughs> well, we actually got a bigger boat. We actually, I don't know if you mentioned, Hayden, the, the new offices we moved oh, into. We've actually moved into yeah. slightly bigger offices. And, oh, yeah, uh, I saw the pictures, man. Congratulations. Twice as big. Yeah, Thank twice you, yeah. as big. We're pretty happy with it. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, yeah, and obviously, uh, you know, it's, um, you know, obviously, you, get, you know, as, as the team grows and the, the company grows, you have to sort of accommodate for changes like that. I mean, we're getting pretty cramped in the other place. I mean, uh, you know, li- literally, people were kind of like, um, actually, I was going to say literally, they were out in the corridors, but they were actually out in the corridors. So we had a couple <laughs> of people. Some, some of our QA were actually out in the corridors. Literally, we just had to put the, the dividers up and just to sort of give them some sort of privacy. So. It's busting at the seams. And also, um, yeah, I, I guess you guys already know about this, but we you know, you know that we're releasing Japan next week, which is kind of cool. Konami are publishing the game. Right, yeah, Konami publishing, there. awesome. Oh. Yeah, Konami, so, yeah, Konami behind you guys is awesome, man. That's 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 badass. But um, yeah. uh, but before we uh, take the next caller, unless Hyena had anything else, I wanted to ask you about the, uh, the game not getting uh, released in the United Arab Emirates. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, right, well, really? We, we kind of half expected that. I mean, they, they, they ban a lot of games, and obviously because of the re- slightly religious overtones and things like that, and, you know, we kind of had a feeling that it, it might get banned there. I mean, it, it's not such a huge market, but it, I, I heard there were still people selling it, like, um, like on the black market there, because I saw a few people in that area who were playing it, so they were saying that they managed to get a little copy somehow, but, yeah, it was it was banned in that area. Well, you yeah, know, does I mean, it, how do you feel about you know the, their opinion about the religious you know the religious undertones? Don't get me wrong. I mean, there is some biblical stuff in there, but it's all it's all based on fantasy. I mean, they got to kind of you know loosen loosen their their jock a little bit and, and, and lighten up. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it, it's not. I understand, you know, and and you know, it's it's a it's a it's a terrible way to say, it, but it's like it's like lighten you know lighten the fuck up. <laughs> it's like it's, yeah. it's not a real character. They're not real biblical. I mean, there are some real biblical names in there, but the the overall presentation of the game isn't blasphemous. On the contrary, you're killing demons. You should be happy. <laughs> you know? well, that's the weird. That's the weird thing about the game is that you're absolutely right, and it's it's very fictional. In fact, there's very little reference. If you just took those little bits of reference out, it could be any other story with like very very slight undertones. And secondly, it's not even angels and demons. You're against everything and everyone. So that's the that's the weird thing about it. Um, yeah, and I, you know, obviously different cultures, different different things. And uh, you know, I think if you really sat down and looked at it, and you'll realize actually, you know, it's just a bit of fun. It's not really serious at all, and it's, it's it wasn't yeah. anything more than that. I mean, what little we did draw from any any sort of religious book. I mean, there's names from lots of different religions in the game, from lots of different backgrounds. Uh, I mean, it's all done in tongue-in-cheek comic book action, and nothing, nothing. It, I don't think there's anything that plays on the religious side at all anywhere in the game. I mean, it was very important to us early on that you know we're not taking sides. We just want to have a bit of fun. We just want to tell a cool story, and we just want to take some fiction that you know and just kind of expand it out into our own universe. I mean, a lot of the universe that we talk about in in Darksiders, you know, doesn't exist, or it's loosely based on you know. Little bits of reference here and there, but overall, yeah, I don't. You can't really pin it to anything. I mean, you couldn't really say, well, it's not. It's not based on this religion or that religion. Cause it's not based on anything other than very, very scatty bits of information, I guess, from different. Uh, it's uh, funny. If, I wonder if I wonder if God of War Three is going to be banned over there because uh, I mean, technically, they're talking about certain gods there, and those once upon a time, those are very important to some people a long time ago. Uh, That's right. <laughs> So it's going like, to be banned in Greece. They're going to be offended in Greece over God of War. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Or I, 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 sales. There you go. But um, <laughs> well, before we uh, take in another call, Hyena, you got anything else to add? No, that's pretty much it. I, I just want to thank you for, you know, like your time and, you know, good luck and keep up the good work. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks a lot. All right, Hyena. Thanks for the call, brother. All right. Um, I have Slick on the line. Slick did that wonderful review that you enjoyed so much, Hayden, and uh, yeah. he's got a he's got a couple. Yeah, he's got a couple of things for you. So let's see what he's got. What's up, Slick? Slick you're on the air. Good evening, guys. All right, evening. All right, Slick. Yeah, um, 
think Darksiders was probably the first game I picked up in 2010, and I had a lot of fun with it, just mindlessly beating the crap out of everything in sight. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's always a good way to out the rage, right? Just, 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 uh, just destroy everything. It works for me. I know you guys can't talk about the sequel, but if you guys can take anything back from, like, the players, you know, me and, and Rich and everybody, one thing I would love to see in the sequel is, I mean, there were there were plenty of little mini-bosses, and I actually enjoyed that, even though every time I saw one, I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> but not so much like the... Like the dragon and the, the you know the little dragon that that would raise the ground and the the um the big ass devil dog, but things like the jailer, like big, the jailer, yeah, yeah, he's cool. Big mini boss fights like that with somebody who actually destroying everything around you, because when you pissed him off, he just killed everything. <laughs> yeah, even his own little guys got smacked around a bit as well. Yeah, the jailer fight was one of our. Uh... Uh, most favorite like smaller mini boss encounters. I remember when we first did that room and we had it just like a blue room and we had him fighting around with it and then we added the pillars in there. We said, yeah, let's have this guy like trashing through the pillars as well, like just just making go berserk and just like hit everything in sight. So he's, yeah, Jail was my favorite. He's my favorite non like main boss fight. That thing I is. Joe called him a flesh mech. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. guy inside controlling the big guy, you know? Like a big mech. Made out of flesh. That'd be awesome if you sliced the jailer open and a little dude fell out. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much what happens, right? You, you bust well, the chop yeah, over, you, you burst up his pulses, and then that little guy pops out of the cage. I mean, he was basically like the heart of the guy, really. The, basically, the big thing itself was just like dead flesh, and the little guy inside the cage was the guy controlling He was like the heartbeat of the creature. Yeah, he's kind of like the master yeah, I like that. If you remember, you know, the Mad Max 3, yeah, a long time ago. Oh, yeah, 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 the little, the little dude. He, he's a little dude controlling the big dude. So. Uh, I love that, man. I um, One thing I enjoyed, and one of my favorite bosses was Straga. Straga was, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I was, I, I was a little bummed out that the fight, the, the, you know, the second fight with him went so... I wouldn't say it was easy, but it was at the point of the game where you kind of had the mechanics down to a science. So you're like, you're, you know, as soon as he popped up on the screen, it wasn't like, oh, shit. It was like, man, I'm going to whoop this guy's ass. And that's, you know, that, that was exactly what happened. There was no, there was no like, oh, fuck, he's going to kill. It was like, man, look, I took your eye. I'm going I'm to whoop your ass now. And, and that's, that's what happened. But the, the coolness of his design was fantastic. And, and just the huge bosses like that, like Tiamat, Samael I enjoyed. I was kind of bummed, but I knew that there's a setup for Samael down the line, probably in a second or a third game. Like, like his character was so, was so engaging, dude. I was like, this, this dude, this dude is letting on more than he knows. And, you know, I liked, I liked the, the, the chemistry between him and the horseman. It was, it was badass. Yeah, yeah I'm kind of worried bad. for Samael when he actually does cross paths with war again, because my thing is, what the hell does War have against people with wings? <laughs> well, uh, you know, I think it might. I think it's kind of like a wing envy or something. Like, I mean, he yeah, had to know. Everybody with wings. Everybody with wings. He like finds a way to rip them off horribly before he kills them. I'm like, dude, what's wrong with you? Yeah, well, kind of, he left Samuel because he did give him the uh, his wing ability, like his kind of like. Uh, uh, yeah, the shadow like wings. A, the shadow wings, yeah. So maybe he's like, he may kind of let him off. So, but um, but yeah, definitely. In fact, you guys are just like hit upon a couple of things where uh, about the bosses is one of the things where we, when we look back and looked at the game again, and you know, read people's comments and everything, it was definitely something that we thought, okay, this is cool. We have to really tap into this type of stuff again. So you know, we definitely learned a lot. Like I said, from that kind of stuff. And we want to bring bring some of that back in again. And we could, t- you know, we we ourselves knew which ones we enjoyed the most. And uh, so it's obviously, you know, lessons learned there. And you know, you'll definitely see, be seeing a, a lot of exciting, you know, well-rounded mini boss fights and big boss fights as well. And if you like Straga, well, that, that's a good thing. So um, you know, there's a little history behind <laughs> Straga. 
because uh, you know he, he was um, you know th- there's a reason for Straga being you know you know in in the, the whole tower and everything like that and he all kind of latches onto stuff you know you'll you'll kind of know about in the future so it, it, it's all good stuff it's all connected. Yeah, Straga was definitely. Well, go ahead. Too many of us. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just saying, definitely one of the the brightest points of the game is the storytelling. I really enjoy the story. Yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of the same. When I when I play something, I'm really into the campaign. I'm really, I really like the story, and uh, you know that's the thing that kind of really drives me. And uh, it, it's kind of interesting because I was talking to Hayden actually early today because obviously he's taking home uh, uh what did you what did you take was heavy it the um heavy, heavy rain. rain so that that's like a very heavy story based kind of thing so I'm kind of interested to play that now I've heard a lot of good things about that one definitely well, well you know what um one thing I was going to ask and and it's good I have slick on the line for this when you, I know Hayden I know you're you're playing Arkham Asylum you know I know you're playing that do you Sometimes and and it has to probably happen subconsciously, and I know you probably avoid doing it. But as you play some of these games, you're like, "Damn, it would look cool if War did that," or "Man, it would look cool if this happened," or maybe we gotta add a little like subconscious, not something you're doing on purpose. I'm more than sure it has to happen, man, because I you know I I see you playing and we we're playing some of the same stuff or similar stuff, and I'm like, he has to think that. It's like when I listen to other shows, you know, or, 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 or I watch G4, I get ideas, and I'm like, all right. <laughs> well, sometimes well, sometimes things stick with you, right? And then you, you, you'll be sat down there writing something, and then you'll be coming up with a game mechanic or something, and you're like, oh, well, I think we'll do it this way. And then someone comes up to you and goes, well, that was the way they did it on this game. You're sort of like, oh, crap, yeah, it is, isn't it? But it kind of works for this game as well. I mean, there was the, the thing, I mean, I've finished Batman Arkham Asylum now, and I, I just kind of... I, I just I thought the level design on it was absolutely awesome. I thought they did a great job. I thought the overall package that Rocksteady did was fucking awesome. The, uh, it's, it really, hands down, truly is the best Batman game there ever has been by a long shot. I think uh, they nailed a lot of things about the character. They made him kind of vulnerable, but they also made him fucking pretty cool as well. He looked kick-ass. He looked, he looked good. And, uh, you know, he had the kind of traditional detective-type things and gadgets that Batman is known for, you know, so... When I played it, I just the one thing as I was playing the game, I just noticed how they kind of used the environment and the, the kind of nice things they did on backtracking, the way they used, they utilized a lot of the background and and they really did cool things with the different um, supervillains as well. Like the way they introduced the new Scarecrow, I thought was was fucking awesome. It was kind of a off the wall, it was crazy, just like his character is supposed to be fucking with your mind, and they did some really nice things with the storytelling with that and. Just really good, and, and you know, you fight, uh, you know, what's it called, Killer Croc, and it wasn't like a full-on boss fight, but it was certainly like a very good, tense, like, cat-and-mouth situation, so they, um, when, you know, when you, you can't help but, you know, respect another game for doing something well, it doesn't mean that you sort of use that idea or, or whatever down the line, because usually what you do is like you, f- you focus on the things that you want to do in your game you, fo- you focus on the you know the interesting new things elements that you want to bring and then you focus on the things that how you're going to tie them together and then sometimes you think well sometimes trying to throw something a little bit too unusual a player you know you throw it to other guys on the team they go it's a bit weird this it, they did it nicer on this game or it, there's something wrong you know it just, it just feels a bit too alien to them so sometimes you just kind of go to the things that um, just feel naturally nicer it doesn't just because it's been done before it doesn't mean that it's Automatically needs to be changed. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. I don't want to go out and nope. get a car with 25 wheels just because I can. You know, I don't want one with four. The one with four works perfectly well. You know, we just, they re- redesigned the chassis and everything else and changed the stuff underneath, and it's still cool. Are you, are you saying less is more? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it is. I mean, I, when it came out, I, I said it more than once. There was. Gameplay-wise, there was nothing at all that was new in Batman Arkham Asylum, but they just did it right. Yeah, the execution. It's all about execution, right? Those guys executed. They got the idea. I mean, it basically used a lot of kind of uh, level design that you'd see in something like a Metroid game or something like that, kind of similar to what we did on Dark Siders in, in, in a way, like you get the new gadgets and you go back and unlock areas that didn't pass through. But they did it so tightly and wove it so well with the storyline and the characters that are known in the DC universe that you can't help but just respect for 
how they did that. Because you know, a lot of other people have done Batman games before, and they've been absolutely rubbish. These guys did it in a relatively small environment. They did, they did lots of different um, uh, gameplay scenarios. I mean, you, obviously, you pretty much had your gadgets, and then you had your combat, and they, but they, they ramped up the combat in different ways, like the ones where you fight the guys on the, electric, on the electrified floor and stuff like that. And I don't know, they I just got up, hold my hands up and said they just did a, they did an awesome job. And a, a good friend of ours actually just joined them there as a, a senior artist, so uh, he's always said that they're really, really busy in, in full production now with the second one, so I can't wait to see what they do with the second one. If, you know, if this one's anything to go by, we're going to do next. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, but what I want, another thing I want to see you guys do next, more humiliating deaths. Like, I guess I am going to give a spoiler, but... The end of the fight with um, the, the Griever. Griever. The Griever. I knew you were going to go into that. I knew you were going to go into that. Somebody's, when you beat somebody's brains in with a New York City subway train, <laughs> there's just no coming back from that. Well, it's funny because when, uh, when Dave was, uh, Dave, Adams, Dave Adams is actually IGM, but he's also like a very, te- you know, very good programmer as well. He actually did pretty much all the bosses in the game. He's, he's, he's awesome. And... Uh, I remember suggesting to him when we was talking about, like, because, you know, the player got the punch move and the charge punch move and the tremor gauntlet and everything in, in that dungeon. And we thought, oh, well, we saw that we was punching cars like that. And I said, well, wouldn't it be good if you just grabbed that thing and just basically just nailed him in the face, like, and just repeatedly did it? And they did it, and it, it came off so well that it was all... Because at the end, well, you know when he draws back and he kind of comes back and he throws the the cart into the face? We were, what we was going to do with that bit as well, he was going to charge up the gauntlet as well and just, like throw it in his face with that extra bit of tremor on it as well and it's like and and, it, and the front of that carriage was supposed to have spikes on it as well because it was going to put like all like it's supposed to be ripped apart the front of it so it was all going to be jagged but we didn't have time to do that so you just got the blunt end of the uh, the carriage but uh, it was still a very yeah. violent everyone everyone talks about that finish it's awesome yeah I remember that actually and I remember the the animators actually did a great job on that uh, and they you know it's it's not so much it's also you know, war slamming that into his uh, the Griever's face, but also it's the Griever's reaction. So they oh, have, they the really jaw, the jawbones kind of wobbling. Yeah, the like whole the jaw was going out, and then people. you know that was uh, some 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 good good animation. And you know, everybody when they looked at that, even when we were you know in house and we were looking at that, like we were like, man, I feel sorry for that Griever. That, that was painful. <laughs> <laughs> sorry for the demon. Actually, here's another bit of, bit of information. It's a little bit of trivia, but you might find it a bit fun. But um, in the fight when he fights. Uh, Silly sir, right? He takes her heart. In the original story, he actually kills her so badly that her heart stops. And it's kind of like, because he obviously has to deliver the heart still beating to Samuel, or basically it's like, no deal. So basically, like, the watcher's like, what the fuck have you done? You've killed her, you've gone too far this time, what? And basically, he has to use his charge, tremor punch, to revitalize. He basically punches her in the chest and kind of brings the heart back to life again, so he gets it beaten. Wow. But we had to change the script. We didn't have time. I don't, I don't know why we rewrote that bit, but I remember when I read that, I thought, fucking hell, Joe, that's awesome, the fact that yeah, you could have used great, that great gear item to, you know, revitalize her. Oh, that would have been beautiful. Heart again. Yeah, I'm kind of glad that we didn't use that, but uh, it was it was a really good moment in the script. I'm like, oh, man, this is awesome, the fact that he's got to you know, beat the crap out of the heart to get it going again. Anyway. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. Anything else like you got? No, I'm I'm good for now. Just um, I don't know with all the weapons that he has. I don't know. Make him do something like Inglorious Bastards. Make him do a banjo on somebody. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Believe me, there's, we'll, there's going to be plenty of ways to hurt people on the next one. Don't worry yeah, about we'll, that. There's going to be plenty we'll of ways. We'll definitely uh, tap into people. All right, people like. All right, Slick. Thanks a lot for the write-up as well. Right, it thanks, was awesome. Slick. No problem. Thank you, sir. All right, see you later. Thanks, man. dude. All right, guys. Um, I had a, I, I, I told you I had a whole bunch of stuff. Um, first thing I want to ask you is the, uh, the Frenchman, the Frenchman with the hat. <laughs> oh, you mean the, the, the Englishman with a hat? You mean? He's actually the English guy with a hat. <laughs> well, actually, I'll let Hayden tell that story because actually he tells it really well. I don't know if I tell I it really well. <laughs> what the, well, what the fuck? <laughs> well, you know, what you just said then is the exact response that we uh, the exact response of what we yeah. wanted from the public because basically we've been working on the game for you know a long time. We were doing a lot of crazy hours. We were in crunch. And, you know, a lot of us watch <laughs> Family Guy. We, we watch Family Guy. We talk a lot of shit. And then when it starts getting late at night, we 
we'll be looking at the latest version of the build and they will just be kind of like laughing at anything and just kind of just acting all stupid and out there like it's like, just, like we're so tired like you know and you start creating this own kind of self comedy wasn't it it was like very tiring like we were yeah. like three in the morning or something yeah so we're all, we're all sat around the, the meeting table in one of the late night meetings and we're, we're, we're just playing along and then someone's beating the crap out of the wicked and Dave was there and I was there and a few other people were there and then Dave starts basically making some comments about my accent about my you know about my northern English accent and starts making fun of it and stuff and we was like I said, we was talking about Family Guy and some of the characters that we saw in there, and then it basically just come up with, what about if we, what about if we put a zombie in there with a top hat and a monocle? Because they always say like, you know, English guys are known for the top hat and monocles and they're very proper. <laughs> so what about if we just stuck that yeah. on a zombie and just stuck him in the middle of nowhere and just had him sat in, sat on the table sucking tea? And we was all like laughing about it, and think it was all stupid. We're like, yeah, yeah, we'll just put him in there. We'll just put him as a secret guy and you can find him and we'll call him Wicked Care and he'll like, like wonder the land like. Just, just randomly, and people will meet him. And we're like, yeah, yeah, sounds awesome. So we all laughed about it, and we all thought it was funny. And then, then we kind of left it, and then we carried on, you know, developing the game. A few days passed, a few weeks passed, and then we bring it up again. It comes up again in, in like, the meeting, and we're all laughing about it. We said, oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to get Wicked K in. This guy's going to be awesome. So then handed, like, a little concept over the top of one of the Wicked concepts, <laughs> and draw a monocle in there, a little moustache, and we give him a little cane and spats and everything like that, and his torn-up suit. And then someone went off and built it, and then we we put him in the game as like a little backtrack character that we can get a lot of souls off. But we did have slightly bigger plans for him originally, but we had to tone it back. But it's certainly not going to be the last time you, you see that guy anywhere. Oh, yeah, was, it was funny because it was so random, man. You know, I'm playing, I'm like, all right, let me get the army, get him, blade. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> that is the exact because so we all sat down there, they're going. What, what the fuck? What, what's people gonna think about when they hear this and see this guy? They're like, I don't. We don't care. It's gonna be funny. They're, just gonna, they're gonna have a laugh at it. Believe me. And then we saw all the Twitter's going on about it. We saw it on the message board saying, what the, what the fuck's going on with this like proper English zombie? What is this guy? What is this guy stalking me? And then we kept seeing all these different responses and people thinking they knew what it were and everything like trying to place it with something. We're like, no, this guy's just completely random. He's meant to be random. He's meant to be silly and and just out there. So uh, do you think it's a success? I mean, you brought him up, and other people have talked to him, brought it up. He, he keeps coming up yeah, again. Yeah, so. Yeah, he's got well, a I background. I remember when he went from, like, just a joke and a running joke that we had, and, uh, you know, and um, it, it turned into, like, you know, we, we started talking about, well, what would he be doing? Like, you know, what, what would he be like? Oh, he'd be doing this, and then suddenly then the bills would come up and we'd forget about it. And then I think Dave at one point sort of said, yeah, put that on the list. And we were like, seriously? And we just like kind of wrote it down on one of the, the schedule sheets just for a joke. And slowly it started being used as an actual asset. He goes, yeah, when's the Wicked Kellington going to be done? And, it's like, and we were like laughing. Yeah. We- right here is when the remainder of the show got cut off. Um, I believe there was still about another half hour of the Darksiders interview to go. Nonetheless, like I said, I am working with Blog Talk Radio to have it restored. Whether that happens or not remains to be seen. Again, my apologies, but hopefully we won't have factors like this coming in in the future. I am trying to work on safeguards to protect the show in the event something like this happens. I can possibly have an off-site backup or possibly record live from another PC so that it can be saved. We'll see what happens next week. Nonetheless, my apologies for the show being cut short, but I hope that... What you did listen to was enjoyable, and I hope you tune in next week. Thanks again. I'm out. Peace.